Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Acts, chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ryan. Um, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, please, this morning. Acts chapter 2. We'll be beginning in verse 22. Acts 2, 22. Give me an amen once you are there. And Father, we thank you this morning again for your grace, your love, and your mercy. We thank you for your son Jesus, whom you sent to die on the cross for our sins. We're so grateful that any sinner who acknowledges you, who chooses to come to you and repent, that you will save. For you love us, Lord. You desire not to destroy men, but to save men. And so we're so grateful for that. We ask that as we study your word that you would speak to us in a very delicate and powerful way. Help us to sense your presence and to tune into you spiritually. Pour out your grace. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. Amen. So the day of Pentecost is upon the church. Jesus has ascended into heaven and he told the disciples, wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That day has come, the day of Pentecost. So the, the, the apostles, the disciples are empowered by the Spirit. They're in Jerusalem. Thousands have gathered uh, for uh, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost. Uh, they're in Jerusalem. And Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, begins to preach. It's the first sermon recorded of the church. And so if it's the first, then it's good to study it and to see what was it all about? Like what was important to God that Peter spoke? And so in his sermon, and he's speaking, mind you, to Jews who came from all over the world. And the disciples, the apostles were speaking in tongues of the people that had come. They, had, they were speaking in their languages. And so Peter is explaining to them what is going on, what the phenomena of the Holy Spirit being poured out on them. And so he, it says here in verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words, or this is right in the middle of his sermon. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And so he speaks to them concerning Jesus Christ in explaining 
the phenomena of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he begins to talk to them about Jesus, that Jesus was crucified by them. The, he's speaking to Israel. He's speaking to the Jews here. He says to them, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Speaking to the Jewish audience, Israel. Peter's sermon, when we look at it, it's a very powerful sermon. And it's powerful because it speaks of the, the, it speaks of the gospel. That's why it's powerful. The simplicity of the gospel. It's a very powerful message. For those of you who have read ahead, or maybe you don't know, or maybe you do know, you know that from this sermon, 3,000 people are going to be added to the church after this. So there's something powerful about it. And it's true. What is powerful about it is he, 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 he hits them first, you know, with the gospel basics. And the gospel, the word gospel means good news. It means good news. And the reason why the message of the gospel is good news is because it saves you from very bad news. There's very bad things that are going to happen. They're, they're going to happen. See, Jesus said, I did not come to condemn you, but to save, right? So the condemning's already done. The bad is already coming. The judgment for a non-believing world. So Jesus comes in and says, there's no need for me to condemn you. I'm here to save you because the world's already condemned. And so the gospel message is to a condemned world saying the good news is that God came to save you from some bad things that are coming. It is good news. And those basics, he says to them, right? He says, he first points out to this crowd who as a nation killed their Messiah. He came to his own and his own knew him not. So as a nation, they are guilty as a nation, straight up. And so... Peter is addressing, is it not his own nation? Is he not Jewish as well? Yes, he's addressing his own nation. Hey, men and brethren, hey. But he, what he points out as part of the gospel is the reality of the crowd as a nation, their sin. He points out their need for a savior. He begins to tell them, you crucified him. My goodness. Why would anybody out there and I mean everybody, not just the nation, the Jewish nation. But I mean, why would man in general want anything to do with Jesus Christ if they first don't feel they have a need of a Savior? So the beautiful and powerful thing about this sermon is that he points out their sin. And I think there aren't, I think that we can limit the amount of people who come truly to Jesus Christ, that means they completely surrender to him and live for him and continue in the faith. I think there's a lack of that because there's a lack of sin being preached out to the world. To be careful of sin, to repent of sin. That sin has separated us from God. And when a church doesn't preach the need of repentance from sin, doesn't even point out sin, how can there truly be a conversion? That's why everyone says, oh yeah, I'm down for Jesus. And they live however they want. They still get wasted. They still fornicate or in sexual immorality. But they say they're down for Jesus. Why? 
Because a lot of times the churches aren't warning, aren't teaching about the reality of their sin. And Peter here in this sermon says to them, you crucified him. You crucified him. You yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands and have crucified him and put him to death. Now, you know, those thousands didn't literally arrest him and do that. It was just a religious hierarchy and then Pilate and the Romans, right? It, was, it wasn't all of these thousands. But the religious rulers represented the nation. Adam and Eve represents the whole world. Same thing. Right? <laughs> I smile because... It, you speak about about freedom if a man or woman is to be freed from their sins they must first know that they're sinners and they must acknowledge that they're sinners and that they need a savior that's freedom it's like they say in therapy it's like you know uh defining and owning the issue is a first step to recovery you know what i'm saying and and if we want people to be saved we gotta let them know that Jesus Christ was crucified, as Romans 4.25 says, he was Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses. Galatians 1.4, Paul says, Jesus who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. It was our sin that nailed them to the cross. Our sin. We can't point our fingers at the nation of Israel, at, at, at them. That They represented the whole world. So did Pilate. Pilate represents the Gentile world, if you will. And the religious Jews represented the nation of Israel. So the whole world is guilty of Christ being crucified. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. There ain't one that's pure. There's not one that's holy, except for Jesus Christ. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. Now the wages of that sin is death. And you think about all oh, just like stomping out, you know, killing a person physically. Yeah, there's, there's, there's consequences physically for sin, no doubt. Because of sin, death entered into the world, no doubt. Ten out of ten of us will die. But when the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, it means the second death. That means after you die, you die again. That's why Jesus said, he who believes in me shall have eternal life. And I love doing Christian funerals because what that basically means is that you don't die, dude. You just go right over into a new body. Zoop. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we, convince, we try to persuade men. So he hits them on their sin. And then he goes on to say that he died, right? But the beautiful thing is he goes to the resurrection and says, you know, uh, whom God raised up in verse 24, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Such a beautiful statement. Christ could not be held by death. Christ is the giver of life. He's he created us. He created life. He's the God of the living. And so death could not hold him down. He loosed the pains of death. 
And, that, and the gospel message becomes legitimized because Jesus said that he would rise on the third day. He preached it. He told his disciples that's what will take place. So if he wasn't raised from the dead on the third day, then everything else he said prior, everything he preached for three years would be annulled. It would be like, oh, he was just a nice guy who said some things, but it didn't come true. It came true. He rose on the third day. And so our faith is legitimate. And Jesus said in John 14, 19, prior to going to the cross, he said, a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. Because I live, you also will live. I didn't begin to live until I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I thought I was living. I sought to have life and that much more abundant, but I kept coming up empty. You can go from, from, from one drink to another, to, to, to one drug to another, to one sexual relationship to another, to one experience to another, and never come up with your soul being fulfilled or your sins forgiven. Life only comes through the Lord. Life only comes through the Lord. People out there who don't have Jesus, who have not, like we sang today, here's my heart, Lord, speak what is truth. Like for those who have not given him fully their heart, they're not living at all, period. They're being played by the enemy. And I always said this about Satan, that he doesn't ride shotgun, he's driving. But people, people are blinded. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's amazing how God keeps regenerating pleasure forevermore. Like he, he just blesses my life, your life, with hardships, with struggles, with sufferings. But when we walk with the Lord, there's life. Because he lives, we live. Though tears may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. Seven, uh, a righteous man may fall seven times, but seven times get up. It's crazy. That's a supernatural get up boost. That's what it is. We, from faith to faith, from, from weakness to strength. He lives, you live. Romans 6, 4, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Newness of life. There's a new way of living. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way of learning. There's a new way of serving. There's a new way, and Jesus is at the helm of that resurrection. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. It's in Christ. And that's why Peter is preaching that it was impossible for death to hold him down. Thus, it's impossible for us to be held down by the devil. We cannot stand before the Lord and say, I, I lived a long life and, and I kept sinning and practicing sin because after all, Jesus, the devil made me do it. It's a new life. Satan has nothing over the power of our Lord. Satan's a created being. God Almighty can empower. The same spirit that raised Jesus up from the grave will give power, strength to our mortal bodies so that he who was a pervert doesn't have to be a pervert no more. She who was a, 
a, a porn, a whatever, a pervert doesn't have to be a, a pervert anymore. You know, sticky fingers over here, the thief doesn't steal anymore. You, he completely changes. That's what, that's what he does. And so he's preaching that. And the greatest gift that we can offer any broken down, guilt-ridden person is the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And that is what the resurrection confirms. That because of faith in Christ, no matter how bad our sins are, his blood takes it away. It's for the remission of sins. Right? Um, Bible says that he was offered up for our offenses and through his resurrection we are justified. We are justified. Just as if we've never sinned. So the greatest gift you can offer somebody who is guilt ridden, someone who's burdened with bloodshed, someone who's burdened with perverseness or whatever it is, the very greatest gift that you can give them is the removal of that guilt, the removal of that shame, and the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. That he died and rose again. So that you're justified as if you've never sinned. Just as if you've never sinned. Count me in. Count me in. Jesus said he who loves much he who's forgiven much loves much, right? And some of us need to remember how much we've been forgiven. And you don't need a crazy background like I had. You don't need it. You could have been grown up in pretty world, you know? So you have, you have self-righteous issues, maybe. You know, you think everybody else smells, but you don't. So that's pretty nasty as well as it is for the guy who's doing time in the pen. It's the... Uh, you know, apples and oranges, whatever. It's, we, we have, it's, it's, it's a, a clear understanding that we're sinners. Paul the Apostle said, I'm the chief of sinners. You know, Christ came to save sinners in whom I am chief. That's the Apostle Paul. I'm the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church. That, that's, but you're the Apostle Paul, exactly. He's special because he understands he's a sinner. And I think the, the more we realize how much we've been forgiven, the more we're going to be apt to obey God because we love him and are grateful for that forgiveness. See, obedience is directly tied to gratefulness and gratitude. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what the gospel offers. And, and Peter is offering it to the, the... See, Israel as a nation rejected their Messiah. But God's not done with them as you know. But individually, the Jews, whoever hears, can come to know Jesus Christ. The nation will follow later. But individually, because individually that day, 3,000 came to know the Lord. That's not all of Israel at the time. That's 3,000. So in verse 5, speaking of the resurrection, Peter begins to explain about the resurrection, about Jesus. He says, for David says concerning him, and he's speaking of King David, right? The second king of Israel, the man after God's own heart. The patriarch, the prophet, the poet, the psalmist, that King David who fought Goliath as a child. 
He said, David said. David said that a thousand years prior to this event, guys. That's how cool the Bible is. No other, no other holy book in the world can, can pro- project prophecies like that. One th- Peter goes right into the Old Testament. Crazy, right? In explaining Jesus' resurrection, he goes to David's prophecy. Psalm 16. That says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. And so he quotes the Old Testament here, which is an amazing thing, guys. It's a beautiful thing. That day, Pentecost, when he was explaining the phenomena of the Holy Spirit overflowing in the apostles and and the disciples, and just when he explained it, he took the crowds, guys, to the book of, to the prophet of Joel, to Joel's prophet, prophecy. And now when he explains how the Messiah was not, his body wasn't going to corrode. He's, he's going to be resurrected. He takes him to the Old Testament as well. Do you guys see the benefit of the Old Testament? Because we're living in an age where some pastors think that the Old Testament, that you guys can't hang with it. That it's too above your heads to be teaching people the Old Testament. Well, at Calvary Chapel, we go through the whole Bible. Genesis through Revelation. If someone like me can understand it, with the, with the L.A. School District uh, continuation school background than anyone can. It was meant to teach the simple, all of us, right? The simple heard him gladly, the Bible says. But Peter went to the scriptures to explain the phenomena of the Holy Spirit. Peter went to the scriptures to explain the phenomena of Jesus being resurrected on the third day. It is the scriptures by which Believers receive instruction for life and godliness. I can't uh, overemphasize that enough. It is the scriptures. It is the word of God that teaches us how to do things, how to, how to walk the Christian life. God uses his Bible to teach us in every aspect of our lives. Did you know that? And I mean every aspect. God teaches a church how a church should be run. God teaches a a family how a family should be run. God teaches us how to deal with every aspect of life. How? Through the scriptures. You can go to a, a, you know, church that does topical studies. I don't know how they do it. They flip a quarter and say, you know, today we're going to talk about anger. Tomorrow we're going to talk about lust. We're going to talk about love. All year round. Your knowledge of the scriptures can only grow so much that way. Now, God bless my brothers. I hope they're not offended. I'm not, I don't mean to condemn them. But I am going to ring the bell for this beautiful movement that we happen to stumble in called Calvary Chapel where people bring their Bibles and go through the whole thing. Because I have a whole life that has issues and problems. I would like the whole Bible to help me solve my problems. Why do we do what we do as a church? It's fair for 
a person to walk through those doors to have questions for God and to be able to have an answer from the pastor or from seasoned saints here or just believers who have been, you know, who know the word to be able to say, yeah, this is why we do this or that. When there's counseling sessions to be done, it's always by the word of God. It's not my opinion. It's not what I think. It's okay. You know, here are the, here are the roles in a marriage according to scripture, right? Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. And we reiterate these things through the scriptures. Church um, authority, church government, we look to the scriptures. Church practices, baptisms, uh, prayer life, whatever, we go to the scriptures. So people come in and they want, do you guys baptize babies? You know, I'll say no, because in the scriptures you don't find one baby getting baptized. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.